Would you please join your hearts together with mine as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this second Sunday of Christmas, this day where we continue to celebrate the incarnation of your Son as he was born into our flesh, named Jesus, God with us. We pray, Lord, that you continue to strengthen our hearts to trust in the promises you have given to us in Jesus, that he is with us, that by your Spirit as well we are strengthened in faith and we are held in your grace and mercy. And we pray, Lord, that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds and keep us in your word. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think you can well imagine the conversation going on between Mary and Joseph on that morning. They had left Jerusalem just having completed the time of the Passover, the feast where thousands upon thousands of Jews would come together in Jerusalem. Upwards of sometimes a hundred thousand. Many, many people coming to gather in and celebrate. We'll let that that lie right there for a little while. Uh, And they would come together and celebrate the grace of God as he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into their own land. That time of Passover where God spared his people and then led them to be in his presence. And then as they left that beautiful feast after nearly a week with family and friends, as David's family was just you know, south of there in Bethlehem and they had come down from Nazareth, Jesus, 12 years old, seeing all the cousins and friends as they made their return trip with the large party, leaving Jerusalem and heading north again, and just assuming everything is fine. The family's with the family, the kids are playing as they're back behind us somewhere, and we're making our day's journey, and they make that first stop, and everybody's gathering together once again, and you can see them kind of counting noses and counting heads and saying, okay, there's my three, there's your five, there's James and the other brother, and where's Jesus? He's not there. So they start scrambling a little bit more, questioning one another. When was the last time you saw him? Didn't you see him as we were just leaving out of town? I thought we saw him leaving the gates. He wasn't that far behind. Who was he with? Where was he going? Who was he walking with? We got to know where he was, when he was. We've lost him. Think about that for a second. Mary's treasured this up in her heart since angel Gabriel said, you are going to be the God-bearer, the one who births the Son of God, and now all of a sudden he's lost? You can imagine the wheels turning in her mind as she's looking at Joseph saying, I thought you were watching him. Weren't you watching him? I thought you were watching him. And so they ponder and they wonder and they start making the trip back once they figure out that he's not there with them and they make their way back searching all through Jerusalem once again. Maybe he was with somebody who stayed behind a little bit longer. Maybe he was walking the streets of the marketplace. Maybe he was sitting out on the Mount of Olives up you know, near Bethany or something. Where was he at? And it took them three days from the time they realized he was lost until the time where they found him and they finally found him in the temple courts which in, its, in itself is a large place. As they walked around searching the different groups of rabbis, looking for the different people that were teaching and the crowds of folks that were walking around, even at that time as they would ponder theological things and, and hear the word of God. 
and they find him sitting, listening to the teachers. And the amazing part is that he's asking them questions. Remember, he's 12. He's on the year of having his bar mitzvah, right? He's on the year of becoming 13 and being considered an adult male in the Jewish culture. He's on the verge of his manhood, basically, and making that next milestone step in life for a male Jew. And as he's there and listening to the questions, not only did he listen to their questions, but he was asking questions and answering their questions. See, this was unheard of for a 12-year-old. Usually, somebody would come to a rabbi with a question, and then that rabbi would answer them with another question, and they would go back and forth with these questions until they came about an answer. And so as Jesus would come questioning the rabbis, and then they would question him, and he would answer them. See, the game didn't go very long. He had wisdom beyond his years. He had wisdom that they couldn't quite understand, and they were astonished of it. They couldn't understand it. Mary and Joseph show up, and they can't understand what's going on. And so finally they look at him and say, Jesus, why have you distressed us so? Your father and I have been looking for you everywhere. How come you didn't keep up? And then, in good form, as he was talking to the rabbis, what's he do? He asked them a question, right? <laughs> he didn't give them an answer right away or say, I'm sorry, or anything like that. He just looked right at them and said, why were you searching for me? You know, I'd have to be around my father's house. He asked them two questions right back at them, right? Now, think about that for a second. I, I, I want to hear that question that goes back to them, not with any, I don't know, rudeness or anything like that upon his lips. But if they were to look for him somewhere, they didn't have to look in the market streets. They didn't have to look in the houses. They didn't have to look with all the people. He's just basically saying, if you were going to come look for me, didn't you know exactly where I would be? You wouldn't have to look very far. And as we've been studying this text all week, it was really interesting. The translations that come about, you hear him say, didn't you know I would need to be around my father's house? That's one translation. Another translation is, didn't you know I'd need to be about my father's business? It's another translation. And then the word in the Greek actually says, didn't you know I'd need to be about the things of my father? My father's things. It's quite interesting to think on. I bet you could see Joseph hear those words and start looking around and wondering, was Jesus studying the architecture? Was he studying the stones? Was he trying to figure out how to build things a little bit? You know, because Mary had said, hey, my, your father and I have been looking for you. And Jesus says, didn't you know I would be about my father's things? And then the little light goes off. That's right. Joseph's the adoptive father in full responsibility, but his father is in heaven. His father is in the presence of the temple. His father has said, this is my house, this holy of holies. This is the place that I will be. This is where they celebrate the presence of God in the midst of their people, right there at that temple. And Jesus sitting there says, didn't you know I'd need to be about my father's thing? Three days of confusion for Joseph and Mary. Three days of wondering where this child was at. Three days of not knowing where he was. And then they find him about his father's things. 
as something comforting for us. Because Jesus never left that duty. Jesus continues to be about his father's things. Jesus continues to be about his people and with his people and taking care of the needs of his people in the same way he was taking care of the questions and the answers and the needs at that time as he was growing in wisdom and in years. He continues to be about his father's things, continues to be in God's presence on our behalf, being the mediator of our prayers, standing there before the Father, saying, yes, Father, those are the sinful ones, but those are the ones, remember, that I died for. And he continues to be in our presence by his word, by his sacraments. As he promises to be amongst his people, he continues to be amongst his church, he continues to be about his Father's things. This moment that we get of Jesus's young life is such an interesting one to me as we have jumped 12 years since last week's text and we get this moment and the next moment we see him he's 30 there's nothing really in between other than knowing that he continues to honor his father and mother honor Mary and Joseph listen to them and and grow as God would have him grow, as God has shaped him through the work that Joseph teaches him how to do and raised to be a carpenter. And everybody just expected him to be that as we get later on in the Gospels and you hear them say, well, isn't this just the carpenter's son? He's not known as the 12-year-old that was there answering the questions of the rabbis. He's known as the guy that helped hang the door down the street, helped build something over in Sephoris, helped build something in one of the local towns with his father and learn that trade. Yet I wonder also, as Mary walked that lonely road to the tomb three days after Jesus' death, as he had hung upon the cross carrying our sins and they buried him in the tomb, if she walked up to that tomb in the same kind of confusion, wondering if he'd be present there, and then not knowing really where he was for three days after she sees this empty tomb and wonders where she's at, I can just imagine Jesus saying, Mary, Mother, do you know I'd have to be about my father's things? Taking care of everything that needed to be taken care of for you. Going down to claim victory. Tell Satan that he's lost. And rise again to be amongst my people, present in the people, not located in the one place of the temple, but now being able to go everywhere and be present anywhere his people need him. It's that resurrected Christ seen by 500 people at the same time in different places. And Paul telling the Gentiles that he wrote to saying this, Jesus, whom we proclaim as the Savior of the world because of the fact that he died and rose again, and he is the Son of God who died for your sins, that Jesus continues to be about his Father's things, continues to be present with his people to bring forgiveness, and continues to be in his word where he promises to be so that you get to hear of his love for you his grace for you, and his mercy for you. And it's about his Father's things that we look forward to being present with him in one day as well. As that presence is not in mysterious ways, but that presence is actually physical once again, and we get to stand with him in the presence of the Father, praising him and singing. So this time of Christmas, as this season comes to a close at Epiphany in just three days, 
we see that that same revelation of the Savior to the Gentile kings, those magi that came and saw that this is the Son of God born in the flesh, our prayer is that that realization, that epiphany continues to shape our minds and hearts and hands as we continue to live in the presence of God in his word, the presence of God where he promises to be, knowing that he is continually about his Father's things for our good and for our forgiveness. Amen. Do you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, into the world to do your bidding, to do your will, to do the things that you have called him to do for our benefit, for our good. We pray that you would continually keep us focused on him, that he would be central in everything that we do so that you would be glorified and that others would hear of his love. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.